0: Hey, this is Ray Roten from Bethel Community Church. I'm the lead pastor here at Bethel, and we are in our second week of our series, I Forgive You, and wanted to have a discussion about what we talked about last Sunday, which is the unpayable debt. So, just as a review over the last um, for, for the series, is that forgiving someone is like walking up to a door and walking through the door. The most natural thing when you see a doorway is to walk to the doorway walk through the doorway and get outside Um, with forgiveness a lot of people come to the door and it's like a crisis they come to the door back up stay in the room don't let go of the uh, the hurt and so forgiving someone we saw the first week is not the way of salvation or the way of receive god's forgiveness it's not the plan it's actually the proof and so when we talk about forgiveness it's a Proof of what God is doing in our hearts. So when we go through the door, we have to leave it behind. And so uh, we have a theme verse that we're trying to memorize that we're repeating every week, which is John 13, 17. And John 13, 17 says, Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So we need to not only know what God expects from us, but actually do and follow through with what God teaches us in scripture. There are so many times in scripture that we hear God's plan, we see God's plan, read God's plan, someone teaches us God's plan, and then we don't do it. And so knowing is not the same as doing. So our defin- our definition for forgiveness as we're walking through this series is the, for- the decision. So forgiveness is a decision. It's not something that automatically happens. It's a decision to release someone from the debt that results or occurs when they hurt you. And so forgiveness is a decision. It's about the hurt and it's letting that go, releasing the person from the hurt when they hurt you, from the debt, sorry, that resulted when they hurt you. So when we walk through the door, we grieve. It's like the cycle of grief. We will deny it. We'll get angry about it. We'll get depressed about it. We will um, begin to mourn, accept, and then walk in freedom. That's what forgiveness is. Because we don't want people holding us hostage for things they did to us, intentional or unintentional. We really want them to not control our lives, not to be um, dominating our thoughts and keeping us from sleeping. And so forgiveness is releasing that person from the debt, and it's really internally, Freeing ourselves we're walking away we're not letting them control us and dominate our lives so our actions are completely tied to um god's actions when god forgave us on the cross we can understand that the the debt's been paid when we see his forgiveness towards us we can now understand and see how we should forgive others whether they ask for it or not so this past Sunday we talked through Matthew eighteen. It's one of the most inspiring yet terrifying passages in Scripture because uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples, he's talking about judging and he's talking about um, being unified as a church um, as as believers where we can ask God for anything and he will do it if we're unified. Um, and Peter is listening to Jesus teach, and he's like many of us, where he got distracted with a word or with a thought. And so Peter is um, talking or listening to Jesus speak about judgment, sin, confronting people that sin, um, com- confronting people that are um, that offend us, and and we're the the process of confrontation or the process of discipline is go to that person. If they hear you, then you've earned a friend back. If they don't hear you and it's a truly um, grave offense, then you take it to someone else as a witness and that witness goes with you. And then the third step is to take it before the church. And when you confirm it before the church, you you like if they don't accept the decision, if they don't accept the discipline, if they don't accept that they were wrong, well, then it says you treat that person as a pagan or a tax collector, a corrupt tax collector. Peter's listening to all this and he's wondering, okay, so if someone's sinned against me, if someone's done something against me that needs to be confronted, what's the process? Like, what should I do? How many times can I forgive someone for the same offense? And uh, so Peter comes up with this idea. He's like, well, the law says I need to do it three times Let me see Jesus. Now, he's been radical. He's been different. He actually responds differently to a lot of things. He's doing things countercultural. So what would Jesus think? What would Jesus say? And so Peter doubles the amount and adds one. So not just six times, but seven times, I should forgive someone's offenses. So he asks him right in the middle of the conversation, right when Jesus is talking about unity, when Jesus is talking about when you gather together two or three, I'm among you. And Peter switches gears and says, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times? And so there's a lot of foolish thoughts about forgiveness. There's a lot of, um, in our minds, we think differently about forgiveness, like time's gonna heal. That's That's a wrong thought because time only makes things worse when you're dealing with unforgiveness. When you're not forgiving or releasing someone, it actually festers and grows. You've met people, I've met people, that are in a season of life where they have not forgiven, they refuse to forgive. And because they refuse to forgive, the bitterness grows in their heart, bitterness grows in their heart, and it's just, it's worse for them. And so time does not heal. A lot of us also have been really mistreated and hurt, and we think that it's so big, I can't let go of it. That's a foolish reasoning because Think about what we've done to Jesus, what the world has done to Jesus on the cross and how he has taken that upon himself and forgiven. Um, We also think that someone needs to come to us and ask for an apology and that's when we'll forgive. Uh, Many times that doesn't help and it doesn't make things better. So I shouldn't wait for someone to come and say, I'm sorry, because a lot of us, when we offend someone, we don't even know we're offending that person. And when they're upset and we say, we're sorry, it cheapens it um also we think that the forgive forgetting is the same as forgiving well we're we're not called to forget when someone hurts us we're called to release them but i don't know if we'll ever forget it it depends on how big the sin was how big the pain is but when a lot of us think that jesus when he took our sin upon himself that he just forgot it well being an omniscient being an all-powerful, being an all-knowing God, he doesn't forget. Scripture says that he separates it from the east and the west to the depths of the sea, and he remembers it no more. Scripture says that, but we're talking about an all-knowing God. It's not that he forgets it. The powerful thing is that he treats us as if it never happened. That's different. Um, We also say that if we forgive someone, they'll just do it again. And so if they do it again, then I shouldn't forgive them. I should hold them, I'll hold them hostage, you know, keep them on the hook because I don't want them to do it again. Well, Jesus replied. So, so Peter said seven, t- seven times, and Jesus replied with a response that just blew Peter away. And he said this, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus was saying always, Jesus was saying in every situation. And we could say that is ridiculous. 70 times 7, 490. There's that basically just never ending. And it's not like we'll count up and say, okay, that's the 490th time. This is your last time. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was implying always in every situation. So then he goes on to tell the story. And here's the part of the story. Here's the part of the narrative with Jesus that is so powerful because he tells a story about a king. That is a a uh, that's going to set up his accounts or to to call and to call up his accounts or bring his accounts up to date, and so Jesus is telling the story and he said the kingdom of heaven is like this, and so at the end of the day, Jesus is going to call us to an account. Jesus is going to bring us to an account, um, and it says that is his servants came, they borrowed money from him, his debtors came. And there's this one guy that owed millions of dollars. Now, we have to think about the, the, the context of the day. It said that 10,000 talents. So 10,000 talents, and a lot of us confuse this talents with you know ability, that's not the kind of talent, this is a wage. Uh, this is a money currency. And so um, this guy owed 10,000 talents. NLT says millions of dollars. In the day, 10,000 talents was 375 tons of silver. And if you equate it to the average daily wage, which was 17 cents a day, this servant, it would have taken him 200,000 years to pay off his debt. 200,000 years. Now, this guy maybe wasn't an average day and daily wage, uh, daily worker. He may have made a little more money than the other people that were around him, but he could never have paid off this debt. Um, it actually says there in the very next verse, he couldn't pay. So it wasn't like he had the money in the bank. He borrowed this. The king wanted it in his accounts, and it wasn't going to work. So he said, You're going to be thrown into jail, thrown into prison until you can pay off the debt, your family, your kids basically be slaves until you paid off the debt. If you think about it, 200,000 years, he was gonna be in there the rest of his life. And so he fell on his knees and he begged. He begged the master to forgive him and to be patient with him. And he said that he would pay it, but the master looked at him as he was begging and he had pity. So we're talking millions of dollars, 10,000 talents, 375 tons of silver an unpayable debt. And the master looked upon his servant and had pity on him. And he released him and forgave the debt. If you think about this parable, this teaching that Jesus was was giving, was that the king represents God, the servant represents us. No matter how hard we work, we will never be able to pay off the debt. We'll never be able to be good enough to pay off the debt. God came in. And forgave it all. So the servant, you would think, would be joy filled, would be content, would be as happy as can be. And yet the next verse says that he left the king's presence and went and found a fellow servant that owed him a few thousand dollars. So he owed him a few thousand dollars. It would have maybe been about a hundred days to pay off the debt if it was a daily wage. Way less than 200,000 days. And he says, he, the scripture says, the parable says, Jesus' teaching says that he went and grabbed him by the throat, actually grabbed him by the throat and choked him and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down on his knees and begged him for a little more time, be patient with me, I'll repay it. Exact same words that the other guy said, but his creditor couldn't wait. So he had the man thrown in jail until he could pay off the debt. This is interesting because I think in the bottom, in the end, this guy had not allowed God's forgiveness to enter his mind and his heart. He was still considering that he could pay off the debt that he owed, even though it was unpayable. He didn't understand the forgiveness of the king. Well, this affected people around him. His co-workers saw it. They went and told the king what had happened. The king was upset. He said, I can't believe that I forgave this tremendous debt. And you didn't forgive someone that you owed that owed you very little? I don't understand why you received forgiveness from me of the debt. But you didn't forgive someone else their debt? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I think there was a lot of it um, that the guy was actually thinking he could still pay off the debt. He didn't really understand it. Well, then the king said, I showed you mercy, why didn't you show him mercy? And he threw him in prison to be tortured until he paid the debt. And so in the end, even though his debt was forgiven, because he didn't forgive the other guy's debt, the other servant's debt, he threw him in prison to be tortured. So there's a few things we learn from this passage, and we're going to actually talk about this next week as well, but there's a few things we learn. We all have an unpayable debt. There's only one that can forgive our debt. We can't forgive it ourselves. And then I must turn and forgive just like Jesus forgave. And so the principle is this. Once I realize the debt that I have, I need to go to the one that can forgive that debt and beg for mercy. When he does, it releases me. And then I in turn need to forgive those around me. Well, there's a chilling verse right at the end of this passage matthew 18 verse 35 the very last verse it says that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart so he's saying the fellow servants that have offended you that owe you something that have a debt you have to forgive them from your heart and not hold them not let them hold you hostage and then not hold them hostage not choke them out for the infractions they've done to you, because in comparison, our debts are not even close. Our debts are not even similar in comparison. So be careful of the warning of Jesus. We need to recognize that we have an unpayable debt before God. So my question is, have you recognized that you have an unpayable debt? There's never anything that you could ever do to pay this debt off. You can work the rest of your life and try to please God and try to find a way to pay the debt, but you will never pay the debt. You also need to realize the forgiveness. It's like actually, I'm guilty, I know it, I recognize it, and I went to the only one who could forgive me, and that's Jesus. And then we gotta look around. And we need to say, okay, so Jesus forgave me, now I can forgive others. So last week I mentioned the vertical relationship with God and how it affects our horizontal relationship with those around us. The only evidence and proof that God's forgiveness has penetrated my heart is how I release people around me from the debt that incurred when they hurt me. And so when I forgive those around me, it proves that God's forgiveness Has penetrated my heart. So we need to recognize that we all have a debt, there's only one that can forgive, and I have to forgive once I've been forgiven. That's how it affects me. So when I forgive others, that proves that God's forgiveness has penetrated my heart. How crazy is it, how foolish is it, that I think I could ever pay off the debt that I owe God? We all have a problem with giving grace. We give ourselves way more grace than we give others. And it's sometimes, many times, foolish to think that we could ever pay off our debt that we owe to God. We can act and we can live like we do, but in our hearts we need to understand that we can never pay off the debt. There's a tendency, uh, Pastor Ruben and I talked about this on, on Sunday, there's a tendency to be legalistic about forgiveness. And legalism really, we think the, the core of legalism is that we think we can be perfect. We think we can get to a place of perfection in our daily lives, in our spiritual lives. And so I'm going to work, 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 and I'm going to get myself into a position of perfection. And when I'm in a position of perfection, I actually think I can please God enough to pay off the debt that I incurred with him. Well, that's not the point of a believing, a follower of Jesus. That's not the point. The point is living in humility, knowing that I'll never pay off the debt, that Jesus actually died for me and paid my debt. Once I understand that, I can actually live in freedom. I don't have to live in bondage, even though I'm living my life as a bond to Christ because he paid for my debt on the cross. But legalism, you know, you remember the Pharisees in the New Testament, those that worked out a legal system, over 600 laws to try to not break the original 10 laws. An amazing, difficult group of people in the New Testament, but we look at them and we look at them a little bit with disdain and we say, those guys, I can't believe they were talking to Jesus. They even killed him. And then we end up doing the same thing. We understand what we have our infraction. We understand how imperfect we are. And yet we think we can eventually pay off our debt. Justice is something that all of us crave. And I think this is where forgiveness and unforgiveness comes, is that when someone hurts me and there's a debt there, I really want them to pay. I want them to suffer. I want their hearts to hurt, like my heart hurt. I want their soul to hurt, like my soul hurt. So when they've really abused me and they've hurt me, I want them to suffer. The human heart craves justice. The human heart craves revenge. Um, When I watch TV shows or watch movies, and there's a bad guy as i'm watching this rage anger desire for justice just builds up inside me and when the bad guy gets when the the evil guy or the crooked guy or the enemy the the antihero when he gets his way he or she gets their way something in my heart rejoices and it's kind of a wicked thing in my heart that i i wish wasn't there but when the bad guy gets there what they deserve, my heart rejoices. If we are looking for justice, if we're looking for revenge, all we need to do is take a walk to the cross. Let's go focus on the cross because in that moment, all the injustice, all the unrighteousness, all the imperfections, all the hurt and debt of humanity was placed on Jesus. So let's take a walk to the cross. Let's take a look at the cross. If we really want justice, justice was served 2,000 years ago. That's what Jesus did. He died for you. He died for me. Let that penetrate your mind and heart. And anything that anyone has ever done to me, no matter how terrible, It was dealt with on the cross. He was the just, he was, he gave justice and he was the justifier on the cross, as Paul says. And when he stretched his arms out on the cross, he stretched them out wide and he said, It is finished. The redemption, the plan, the process of forgiveness for humanity. The justice was served. It is finished. Our redemption is finished. Jesus took justice and judgment upon himself. That's the good news of a follower of Jesus, is that I no longer have to pay my unpayable debt. I'm free. We don't have to pretend like the injustice never happened. We just need to realize that someone doesn't owe me. Not only do they not owe me, but they don't own me. They don't need to invade my heart and my mind and let me lose sleep. And so thinking about the unpayable debt, you may be like the servant that received forgiveness but doesn't want to give forgiveness. And my prayer for you today is that you would consider your debt and in light of your debt, release those around you for the debt that incurred when they hurt you. Thank you for listening to Bethel Community Church's podcast. If this has been helpful, please share, like, subscribe so that it can be helpful for others.